Our scripture reading today uh, comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. Um, It should show up uh, up front, uh, but if not, uh, you can also look in your Bibles and join with me. Um, I will actually be reading from the English Standard Version, or ESV, um, so please follow along uh, as I read it aloud. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 15. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. This is God's word. morning. So uh, recently, in the past few years or so, I've noticed that my social media newsfeed has seen a lot more announcements of friends getting pregnant or giving birth. And and, and maybe that's because I'm getting to that age where a lot of the people I know now are are making babies, or I I think probably part of the fact is is due to the fact that I I went to a school where ring by spring was a thing. Uh, So all those engagement and wedding posts, all that happened, you know, many years ago. And now the babies start coming. And the typical thing is that once, once a baby is born, what do you do? You, know, you, you let your family know, you let your, your relatives know, and then, and then you post it on social media or you send out this mass email saying something like hashtag cool baby alias uh, was born, weighing at, at this many pounds and ounces. Uh, and also the obligatory, you know, mom, dad, and baby are, are tired, but, but doing just fine. Now, our, our passage, uh, which, which Bonin just read for us today, uh, also deals with the announcement of a birth. But what we're, we're going to see is that there's, I think, some major differences between the type of announcements that we see on social media and the announcement that we see in our passage today. And so if you're just joining us, uh, at Crossbridge this morning, welcome. We've been working our way through this sermon series called Songs of Advent as we explore different songs that were sung in response to the birth and the coming of Christ. And so two weeks ago, we looked at, at Mary's song. Uh, last week, we looked at Zechariah's song. And today, we arrive at the angel's song. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me uh, in there to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. Now, as we read earlier, the song itself is pretty short. It's really only two lines. Uh, But we're also going to look at the angel's announcement that accompanied this angelic praise. And what is this announcement? This good news of great joy is for all people. Verses 8 to 12. So at the beginning of our passage, Luke is recounting 
for his readers the events that surround the birth of Christ. It's night. The shepherds are out in the field taking care of their sheep. And then suddenly this angel appears. And with the angel, the glory of the Lord, the the presence of the Lord shone around them. And so what was dark now is is now illuminated uh, by the glory of the Lord. The shepherds were filled with great fear, the text says. Because it was dark, and now it's not. There's no electricity here. There's no stadium lights as if it was illuminating a baseball field in the evening game. It's the glory of the Lord, his presence. And the angel then makes an announcement. Verse 10, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So what the angel means is this. Jesus' birth is not just a family affair. See, Jesus' birth also came with an announcement. Now, it wasn't via social media. didn't need to be. Jesus had this angelic entourage. And this angel then makes this announcement. I bring you good news for all people. All people. You see, Jesus' birth was not just significant for Mary or Joseph or his relatives. It was significant for everyone. For all people, beginning with Israel. And so where are we in Luke's narrative? Because we've been kind of working our way through some of the Psalms in Luke. If you look back a couple verses, if you maybe for some of you scroll up a little bit on your phones, Jesus has just been born. And who are the first people that, that find out? Who are the, the people that they make their announcement to? Shepherds. Lowly, humble shepherds. Kind of the, the people that Mary was singing about. Not like the, the proud or the prosperous or the powerful. But these shepherds who are, are lowly and meek and the type of people who would respond to God. Just an everyday group just doing their job. Now, for some of you, when you guys had your, your babies, who, who are the first people you guys tell when your baby was born? Family, of course, and then after that, friends, probably. But who does the angel tell, right? Shepherds, for who I presume to be sh- strangers. But the angel says it's, it's good news for all people. And he explains in verse 11, for, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so how is it good news for all people? For unto you is born a Savior, or even better in some translations, he has been born for you. The angel shows it is good news for all of us, for all people, for everyone, because the very first people that hear it are not just family members, but people who represent all people. And he who is born is a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is good news. That salvation is here, and salvation has a name, and his name is Jesus. Jesus who lived the life we couldn't live died the death we should have died, and rose to give us a life we otherwise would not have. Now here's, I think, a a major distinction, perhaps, between the announcement that our friends make when their baby is born and and the announcement that we see here in Scripture of Christ being born. One is born for you. 
The other isn't. One announcement says, Jesus was born for you. The other says the baby was born. You see, when our friends give birth, the, the birth, more likely than not, will have little to no direct effect on us. We're not the ones losing sleep. We're not the ones whose Amazon shopping cart now looks more like babies are us than Best Buy or Bloomingdale's. The baby was not born for us. The, the mother did not endure hours of labor for us. But not so with Jesus' birth was for us. And it has significance for all people across all time. And we don't celebrate his birth in the same way that we celebrate, let's say, Washington's birthday on President's Day weekend. Yeah, I mean, we celebrate George Washington's birthday, but I think that's really only celebrated here, right? You know, if, if Crossbridge was in, a, was in a different country, then I have to come up with someone else's birthday for this example. Christmas, though, is not just a federal holiday. Jesus' birth had meaning and significance for those who came before him and those who came after him. Jesus' birth has cosmic significance because it was part of God's cosmic plan of redemption and salvation. And so Jesus' birth is not just a family affair. A birth that was 2,000 years ago still has meaning and significance and relevance for you and me today. And so because of that, Jesus' birth is met with joy, not fear. What do you look forward to when, when this time of Christmas comes around? Where is your joy placed? I remember one winter when I was in college, you know, it was around Christmas, I think. It was the middle, middle of the day, and I was walking back from class. Snowstorm have, had arrived in full force, and the snow was coming down hard. And as I was walking by, uh, walking back to my dorm, that my phone started going off. So I pulled it out, and as my eyes lit up, I began to hear shouts of joy literally traveling down the path I was walking on as people pulled out their phones and read what it said. The text message said, class is canceled for the rest of today. And tomorrow. So canceled classes definitely bring joy to students, obviously. What else? And around this time, maybe it's winter break. Some of you guys are looking forward to that. The first sign of snow. Christmas songs, family reunions, the release of the Star Wars movie, Christmas presents. These are all great things that bring joy to us, and they should. But Christmas is also a time where we step back and we're reminded of what, of a greater joy. The joy of Jesus Christ. At the beginning of our passage, the angels appear to these shepherds. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and the shepherds then were filled with a great fear. Now fear is a normal response when you're encountering God's glory, his, his presence. The, the Hebrew word for glory gets at this notion of heaviness, weightiness. It's, it's real. It's not something you can get past. And so the natural response then is fear. Because in the presence of the infinite and holy God, you suddenly and finally realize how finite and sinful you are. 
But the, in the angel's announcement, he says, fear not. The message of Christmas now is fear not. If you're familiar with maybe some of the stories in the Old Testament, God had manifested his glory multiple times throughout the history of Israel. And the typical response is fear. Just like we see here, people overwhelmed, trembling with fear. The Israelites trembled with fear at the foot of Mount Sinai as Moses went to meet God. They, they feared God as they saw his power and his presence demonstrated over the Egyptians. But the manifestation of God's glory was always for the good of God's people. When God manifested his glory in Exodus, it was to deliver his people Israel from slavery. He manifested his glory when he gave them the law, these commandments, which was for their good. And likewise, here in the darkness of the night, the glory of the Lord shines brightly and the response is fear. But the angel says, fear not, because I bring good news for you. Here, the manifestation of God's glory is in connection, it's in relation to the birth of Jesus Christ. Good news for all people. And so this good news elicits joy in us. Not fear. I like this quote from J.C. Ryle, and I'm going to read it to you, and you can follow along on the PowerPoint. True religion was never meant to make men melancholy. On the contrary, it was intended to increase real joy and happiness among men and women. The Christian who withdraws entirely from the society of his fellow men and walks the earth with a face as melancholy as if he were always attending a funeral does injury to the cause of the gospel. A cheerful, kindly spirit is a great recommendation to a believer. It is a positive misfortune to Christianity when a Christian cannot smile. A merry heart, a readiness to take part in all innocent mirth are gifts of inestimable value. They go far to soften prejudices, to take up stumbling blocks out of the way, and to make way for Christ and the gospel. This good news of great joy is for all people. The good news of Jesus, his birth, his coming. And now, and now we get to the angel song that accompanies this announcement. What is the, the purpose of this good news of great joy? Glory to God and peace to his people. That's to say that Jesus' birth brings with it two things, glory and peace. Now, I think there's a stronger connection here as we look at the song, and I think it's this. That when God gets glory, we get peace. You see, I think Luke here and the angels here are, are drawing together something that we shouldn't separate. God's glory and our peace. In verses 13 and 14 we read, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. This army, this host, this army of angels praising God together and singing glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So earlier we, we read that this good news of great joy was for all people. 
But now we read that this peace is for those with whom God is pleased. So put simply, the good news is for all people, but God-given peace is for God's people. Some of us might know verse 14 a little bit differently. You know, maybe it's because you, you know of one translation versus another, or maybe you, you've seen it posted uh, on plaques or whatever when you go Christmas shopping. The old King James Version translates it as this, God, uh, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. See the difference there? The majority of modern translations agree that this is probably not an accurate translation. So the, the key difference here is not whether there's peace, but, but who gets the peace? You know, is there just peace on earth generally? Or is it on earth there's peace for those with whom God is pleased? I think the point is this, that, that even though God's offer of peace, God's good news goes out to all, to everyone, but it is only his people the people who receive Christ and trust in him as Lord and Savior, who will experience the peace that Jesus brings. So in, in Hebrews 11, in this long passage about faith, it says there, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Here, the angel song says, peace among those with whom God is pleased. Do you see the, the function here, right? Peace is a function of pleasing God. Pleasing God is a function of faith. So we can do the math, right? Is that a composite function? I think so. F of G of X, right? You guys, high school students should know. Good news is for all people. But God-given peace is for God's people. What does this peace mean? What does it entail? Last week, uh, if you guys were here, Elder Chris preached on Zechariah's song. He did a good job, great job explaining what this piece meant, because part of his song talked about it as well. Now, if you missed it, you can actually go on our website where our sermons are listed. You can subscribe to our podcast uh, and listen there. What we're talking about here is biblical shalom, the Hebrew word for peace. It's not just some inner disposition. It's not even just the absence of something, but the presence of something greater. And so, for example, you know, sometimes in the Bible, when we, when we think of two warring or rival nations who make peace, it's not just that they, they lay down their weapons and stop fighting, but they end up working together for the benefit of each other. This idea of biblical peace, this biblical shalom, also gets at the idea of wholeness completeness, well-being. There's something missing or broken, but now it's restored. In fact, in part of it, it's a new social order marked by wholeness and harmony and well-being, of which there are global aspects of it that we're going to see when Christ returns. But even now, Jesus has inaugurated that peace among God's people. What does that peace look like? A couple things. It's peace with God. God, uh, in, in one sense, this peace, the, the peace that the angels sing about, it means salvation. 
Paul writes in Romans, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, he's restored and reconciled this broken relationship between God and mankind. He's mended. He's made it whole. God's holiness could not stand for our sin and rebellion. But in Jesus, his righteous anger, his wrath is turned away. In Jesus, we are adopted into his family. And this is by faith. Not by good works or rituals or traditions. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Now this peace, it's it's not just peace with God. It's also peace with each other. So in Colossians, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Christ's peace, the peace that he brings, is bound up in how we relate to one another as believers, as the body of Christ, as the local church. This God-given peace is also with ourselves. In Philippians, as Paul is writing about prayer, as we pray, we make our requests known to God. He says this, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. Again, we see this idea of peace tied to Jesus. What does it do? It it guards your heart and your mind. It is a, a shield, a layer of protection against that which might attack you. In this day and age, that might be Feelings of anxiety or uncertainties or confusion or worries or condemnation. When God gets glory, we get peace. And the unifying factor in all this, in this passage, is Jesus Christ. Jesus who is the the greatest revelation of God's glory and whose coming brings peace for us. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. In the song, the the angels sing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There's a series of contrasts here. Highest, or heaven and earth, God and man, glory and peace. I think these contrasts here, though, serve to show a connection. God gets the glory. We get the peace. And what holds the the two together is Jesus. Believing and trusting in the promises of God in Jesus. We sang about this earlier. If we want peace, we need Jesus. God has not promised peace to his people without promising himself. The peace that we see is not separated from God himself. Jesus is our peace. In Ephesians, we read there, But now in Christ Jesus, you who, were, who once were far off, having been brought near by the uh, blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us, Jew and Gentile, both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, 
by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in, in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So what do we do then this morning? Let us together, as one body, one church, with one voice, continue glorifying God, giving him the glory, praising him with joy, knowing that everything that we say and do is for his glory and our good. Everything that God does is for his glory and our good. And we see this most clearly in Jesus Christ. And so may the God of hope fill each and every one of us with joy and peace in believing him. So by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks for Jesus, for peace, for he is our peace. He has broken down the barriers between us and you. He has made a way that we might have a right relationship with you. He has made a way that we might have peace in our own lives with each other and with you. So we would glorify you and magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.